Welcome to the healing art of being you. Today we have a special bonus episode for you with an intimate and thought-provoking discussion on emotional vulnerability and learning to prioritize your own well-being. This fly-on-the-wall recording is a continuation of last week's episode, this time shedding more light on Chelsea's journey to connecting with self and leaning in to the power of spirit. So now, as I'm able to like reflect on that, and I've done a lot of the energy work, I've done a ton of the mindset work, like I, I tend to find things that are going on that are... Um, it's like when I talk about with, with the chronic pain stuff, mm-hmm. right? It's like you've been in this state of survival for so long that when your body is like, hey, this kind of hurts, maybe you yeah. should move, you don't hear it. You, right. can't, you can't hear any signaling until it's an all-out scream, mm-hmm. right? And then you're in, like, massive levels of pain right. that you can't get under control. Right. And so a lot of what we do is obviously trying to get us to reconnect to the body, to start hearing those early signals, to start feeling those early sensations so that it doesn't build into massive levels of pain. Mm-hmm. So now, from more an emotional and, like, living life standpoint, it's like I can start telling when things are off And so then I'm like, okay, what am I putting out right now? That like, everybody's coming to me with all of their problems. I don't know that like I'm, and and they're trying to make their problems my problems. Yes. You know, like. Make it your responsibility to fix. Right. And it's like, what am I putting out that's attracting this? Uh And then it's like, oh, you're putting out controlling energy. You're putting out fixer energy instead of just being a conduit to help other people, you know? And so it's like, it's just easier to hear the whispers and to like see the things before they build into this, I'm completely run down. Like we didn't even talk about this before I started all of this work. I was at a place where I was basically like, I hated everybody and I hated everything. It was like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Stop breathing my air. Like, don't Mm -hmm. exist so loudly, you know? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be this person. This is right at the beginning of the pandemic. But I was so dang run down. I was, like, burning the candle at both ends, to say the least. Emotionally, physically, everything. I needed to accomplish every single goal I had ever had in my entire life within the next week and a half. And that was how I was living. Mm -hmm. And it was horrible. And I was, like, on a highway straight to, like, early menopause, basically. Right. Like, anybody who's experienced menopause, I've worked with a lot of women who have gone through it. And, like, they tell me, I feel like a crazy person. Like, like a pop bottle being shaken up that yeah. can't stop. Yeah. Right. Like, I know that how I'm reacting in the moment is absolutely ridiculous. A part of my brain is sitting here telling me, like, this is not that big of a deal. Right. And I can't you stop can't the reaction from happening. Yeah. And it's, like, Which it's Which is even more frustrating. Yes. Theory. And it's that, like, hormonal, hormonal response. I mean, did you did you end up going through a lot of that? Too? Oh, my God. I had that so bad before. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the symptom that took me to Dr. Minnie in the first mm-hmm. place. I was a brand new, new grad nurse. Mm-hmm. And... I was thriving. Mm-hmm. I was not struggling during orientation. I was on a uh, same-day surgery unit, med surge specialty, dealing with sickle cell patients and, like, mastectomies and prostatectomies. Mm-hmm. And so I would take, like, three admissions a day, and I was not stressed by it. I was doing wonderfully. I was only getting positive feedback. Mm-hmm. And I would come home from a day in the classroom mm-hmm. where I'm just getting trainings on stuff that's busy work right for my orient for my residency program and I'm sobbing for no reason and I'm like I I can't do this what I I don't 
what is wrong with me? Nothing, nothing, but everything. Mm-hmm. And why is it? And when I was, when I was in high school, it manifested. I remember having a screaming, crying fit because my dad froze the hot dog buns, and I don't like frozen bread. <laughs> screaming and crying. My mom told me that if I didn't stop taking the birth control I was on, I wasn't gonna be able to live there anymore because I was insane. Uh-huh. And at the time, it had estrogen in it, mm-hmm. right? So this was before we realized mm-hmm. all the things, but. Um, that was always a, a key for me to be able to see when things were getting bad again was when I couldn't handle mm-hmm. the, I called it the Ursula crazy. I don't know if I've told you this, but I used to refer to my uterus as Ursula. Uh, no. That, that was its entity. That was the being, that mm-hmm. inky black. Mm-hmm. And so, and it became easier for me to identify with it as like a separate portion of myself than mm-hmm. me. Because oh, for sure. it gave me oh, yeah. a scapegoat, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I have a lot of people who personify their organs yep. as like a separate being. Yes, exactly. Because it makes it way easier to like just get pissed at them. Yes. You know? And not beat it's yourself up. It's not me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would use as my gauge would be like... Because I was always physically miserable. Mm-hmm. That sure waxed and waned. But the misery didn't go away. The underlying misery was always there and would just get worse. Mm -hmm. The quote-unquote mental, Mm -hmm. but really emotional energy was what was actually pushing me to that, to cross that line, to cross the line of crazy Mm -hmm. where it can't come back. Mm -hmm. And I would run to surgery. I would run to surgery. It would be that, it would be around that two-year mark where I'm like, okay, I can't handle my life, can't handle my body, can't handle the pain, can't handle the misery. I'm insane. Mm-hmm. My endo's getting bad again. Mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, mm-hmm. it would be, mm-hmm. right? Like, it absolutely would be. In the moment, I was seeing correlation as causation. Mm-hmm. And now that I am on the other end of things where... I can tell you that like even with the hormonal stuff that I deal with, so not having a uterus, but having ovaries, um, it's nowhere near, nowhere near the level, but that wasn't because of the hysterectomy because Mm post-op, I was crazier than I've ever been. Like, I could physically feel the rage. I would leave your, mm-hmm. I would leave your office. Mm-hmm. I would go home. Mm-hmm. I would get in a fight with Matthew. Mm-hmm. I would be in such a zen place mm-hmm. that whatever he was bringing at me that was not matching my vibe, mm-hmm. walls are up. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was unaware of how wonderfully spirit interacts with those around you and changes their behavior to help teach you a lesson as well. So (laughs) everything was his fault. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why can you not understand that I'm asking you to shut up Mm -hmm. because right now I'm visualizing smashing your teeth in with the coffee cup in your hand Mm -hmm. and I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Super ragey. Like stuff that you know. Physically. Yeah. Like I could feel it up my arms Mm -hmm. into my neck and I'm like, I'm going to murder. Yeah. And, like, you know that you're not that person. You not at all. You know that, like, you do love this person. Absolutely. You would never actually want to hurt them. No. But in this moment, you need to step away. 
Yeah. You need to step away from me right now because there is not a thing in the world that you can do that will make the situation better. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Like, that was a large part of the suicidal ideation too, right? Was because mm-hmm. I'm like, how? I'm crazy. I'm insane yep. and I'm trapped mm-hmm. in this situation mm-hmm. where he's not going to understand it Mm-mm. because at the time, why would he, right? He's been the rock that has gotten me through this far and he's like i'm not ready for you to be handicapped in bed all the time get the fuck up do something take care of yourself let's get going let's get life back Mm -hmm. and i'm like you don't understand i can't breathe Mm -hmm. you don't understand i don't know i can't have a bowel movement Mm -hmm. my physical my existence was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. And then to deal with those emotions on top of it and try to figure out how from a place of that level of like disparity and misery and weakness, Mm -hmm. I was supposed to like fight through that fog Mm -hmm. of emotion to then climb that motherfucking mountain Mm -hmm. to maybe have a hope at a life that is marginally not as miserable because I was open to there being a possibility where there was a light at the end of the tunnel, but I didn't believe it. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot where people are like, you know, I don't feel like I should have to experience life like this, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that there's another way out. Right. Absolutely. I I don't see it. Like I want there to be. Right. So bad. I believe that you see that light. I believe that you're standing in the same spot that I am and you see it. Mm -hmm. I cannot see it. Right. Right. So I don't know how, I'm supposed to keep picking my feet up and putting one foot in front of the other. And to try to trust somebody in that moment has got to be so hard. Oh, yeah. To be like, listen, I've heard it all before. You're the, you're the fifth PT I've seen. You're the third doctor I've seen. I've already had five surgeries. Like, I've heard it all before. Why in the world? How in the world am I supposed to trust that what you're saying is going to work for me? So the difference for me was it, you were never, it was never about trusting you. That's not, you never approached it that way. Mm-hmm. From the moment I walked into your door, it was, you were teaching me how to trust myself, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because I would say that I've always had, I've always been who I am, right? I've always had the ability to really get to the root of things and see what's actually going on rather than what's at the surface level, right? And so, In that moment, especially, I was coming from a place of ego for sure because of my indoctrination into the clinical Mm -hmm. side of things. Being an ICU nurse, an ICU charge through the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I had been given so much validation Mm -hmm. also. Because we fix people. Correct. We quote fix people. Correct. Mm -hmm. And even, even validation for my connection and awareness within my body. That was, in hindsight, did me a disservice, but at the time made me more confident and more strong to stand on the soapbox that, like, my disease wasn't my disease. My disease was who I was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that, Mm -hmm. which is the the frustrating part, the ironic part, right, is that, like, at the time, I thought I was, like, the blue ribbon gold star patient. Mm -hmm. I am aware. I am open. I am medically informed i am not dramatic i am 
whatever else you want to say, I was like, I got this because I'm not emotionally triggered by what's going on because I have my shit under control Mm -hmm. because I can identify Mm -hmm. when I'm out of control, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then to half, no, not even half, then to be given the gift of an opportunity to look back now, a year and some change to where I was and then see how that energy developed and was manifested in my journey and how it played into like exactly where I am today. It's such a blessing, such a blessing to be able to like retroactively look back and see that it was all within me Mm -hmm. to begin with. And I had no idea. Mm-hmm. had no idea. I had this innate ability to understand others, mm-hmm. to be what others needed, to 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 I've always been the security blanket. I've always been the shoulder for everyone to cry on. Mm-hmm. Random strangers, people I don't know. And it wasn't until now that I was able to see why mm-hmm. and how I was truly blind to my own mm-hmm. shit. Because we put out what we need. Right. Like all you needed was for somebody to be the shoulder for you mm-hmm. to cry on. Like it was just, it was so, and this is just my my outside perception nope, of please. what you're going through. No, please, by all means. But it was like, I think you felt so broken oh yeah that the only way to get through it was to convince yourself that not only were you strong enough for yourself but you were strong enough for everybody else's pain too i realized exactly what you said right there i realized this yesterday when i was driving to katie's i Mm -hmm. something in my brain was like you when people asked you how you were doing and you told them you were always met with sympathy and with pity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that always drove me insane. And I I just assumed it was because I didn't like to feel pity, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. In reality, mm-hmm. it was because there was never, like, what were they going to do? They were going to commiserate with me and meet me where I am. Mm-hmm. And that's it. There was no answer. There was no but it can get better, but you can fight this, but eventually this, like there was none of that. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have it. They couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of my experience in that sympathy and that love and compassion. What was love and compassion to me was received mm-hmm. as pity. And I wasn't able to identify that there was an opportunity for more, right? Because everyone who was coming to my aid was here to hold my hand and commiserate with me about how fucked up it was and how unfair it was and how ridiculous this is and how strong I am. How strong. I can't tell you how many times people have told me how strong I am. And I always say back, like, strength is not a choice Mm -hmm. it's what happens when you don't have any other option Mm -hmm. and commending people for their strength 
while is so supportive and might feel like the right thing to say, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're validating that like disassociation, mm-hmm. right? We're validating their ability to brush it under the rug, put the game face on and keep on trucking rather than encouraging the love and compassion and space for them to be able to sit with what's going on and look within mm-hmm. and see where they can control the outcome, where they have control over what's going on and where they have actual autonomy within their own body and within their own mindset, their spirit, their energy, all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I even go back to, I even go back to the, the, the cyst, the third surgery, when it went from six centimeters wide to 11 centimeters wide in three days. Mm-hmm. And that being told that that was not physically possible, that's not medically possible, mm-hmm. that would never have happened, being treated like I was drug seeking, mm-hmm. all the mental health console, all of that. And how divinely unique that experience was to lead me where I am today and to give me the perfect label and scapegoat to completely write off Mm -hmm. everything about my mental health and how that presents with pain and processing in the body because I had control over my mental health. I was told that I did. And I did at the moment, right? In theory, for what oh, Western... the conscious side of things. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I then was able to double down because I had just proven to my doctor that I knew what was going on, that I knew my body, I was connected to it, and that, like, you better listen. And so when I would say jump, she'd say how high. Mm-hmm. And that just reinforced every limiting belief that I created from them on out. And I mean, I was convinced, I mean, she even told me when I was getting ready for this, that like she hoped that my outcome would be a good one because people who do well after hysterectomies typically are the ones who have done the work elsewhere, right? The irony (laughs) of me, quote unquote, having done the work. Mm -hmm. But she did not sell me a sunshine, rainbows and butterflies, Mm -hmm. which is what I believe that the people in my circle Mm -hmm. believed would happen. Mm -hmm. I think that they saw it as like, we get rid of the uterus, Mm -hmm. instantly fixed, better, love and life. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Not realizing that... I had never been that person that they expected out of me, mm-hmm. that that was not in the cards for me mm-hmm. at all, especially not that way. Mm-hmm. And that I had to shift my perspective of finding a, a I mean, I called her my guardian angel. I called my surgeon my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. She saved my life, mm-hmm. right? I had to shift my perspective of finding that savior externally to finding it internally, which is what you did for me. You were able to shine the light on my autonomy, my agency over my body, how I truly do have control over my reality. I create my reality and I have the ability to make progress and deal with the 
setbacks Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. the spiral of... Mm -hmm. Well, that was one of the first things that we worked on was to make sure that you understood that, like, when your pain comes back, because it will, Mm -hmm. is this information. It's an opportunity for you to figure out, did I physically push myself too Mm -hmm. far? Have I not gotten enough rest? Have I not gotten enough movement? What can I do? And then to have a plan in place, our our emergency action plan Mm -hmm. of like when this happens, you are going to have this written down. You're going to know what movements you're going to do for how many reps and how long that's going to take. Mm -hmm. And that way you have a total amount of time that you need that like I need to go address my body. And that you know that you are the one who's in control of this. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to wait until your appointment on Thursday to come in and Allison will fix me. Right. That it's a... I can fix myself because my body's trying to tell me something and I need to give it what it needs right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this might have been maybe like nine months or so because it was over the summer. Mm -hmm. And that you had a moment where I was just like, oh, my heart just swelled and I just wanted to hug you because you were like, you had just come off of like two days of work, I think, and you had called and canceled. Um, Mm -hmm. You called off the next day. And what you said was, my body told me it's had enough. And if I went any further, I was really going to have to pay the price. And the fact that you verbalized that, I was like, yes, it was amazing. And it was like, oh my gosh, like not only is it like, oh, I'm going to go into Alice. I'm going to try to say the right things. It was that like that new learning had been ingrained so much that it wasn't like, what would Allison tell me to do in this moment? It was like, my body's telling me this is a problem. I have done too much and I need to now take action to make sure that I don't go so far that I then have to see her to get better. I can listen to what my body's saying. I can take care of this pain myself so that I can go back to living my life and I can work my shifts the following week. And I was so proud of you in that moment. I was so happy for you. I was like, oh, she gets it. Like her subconscious gets it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not like I have to sit here and actively think about what's happening. It was like, my subconscious is hearing what my body is saying and it's taken it up to my conscious brain and mm-hmm. now I'm making a decision. And it was just the coolest moment. I was so happy. I remember that moment and I remember the energy that I was in was guilt and shame. Oh. Guilt and shame. For, for calling off? Yeah. Oh, and then wow. for telling you that I called off and for, for hoping that you weren't going to think I was a flake or that I was just like this or that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was so happy for you. See, and that's, that's exactly it, right? Is that like, that was a moment of progress mm-hmm. and my limiting beliefs, my mm-hmm. own complexes and triggers mm-hmm. was painting that in a perspective mm-hmm. that was still a negative, mm-hmm. that was still leading me down the same mm-hmm. spiral road. Well, and that's a very like healthcare indoctrination. Exactly. Like as a healthcare practitioner, you do not get to be sick. You do not get to be injured. Nope. You do not get to be off your game. You don't mm-hmm. get to have a bad day. Because not only is it about keeping people alive, it's about also now the customer experience. Oh, yeah. Very much the customer experience. So now it's like you're working retail while trying to save lives. With a moral yes. responsibility. And because people... nobody goes into healthcare. I shouldn't say nobody. I don't know every, every person in healthcare. Most people don't go into healthcare because of the paycheck. Nope. Because you have crap hours. Yep. A super mentally exhausting job mm-hmm. where people want to sue you left and right. right. It is a it's a very stressful environment to be in. People go into healthcare because they love to help other people. Mm-hmm. The service. And then, you know, well, I don't need to go on this soapbox right now, but 
all the crap that goes into it right. is just it, it, it takes away from the actual healthcare. But like anybody who's ever had a job before has probably worked in some form of retail or food, and mm-hmm. they know how hard it is to be treated with such little gratitude Absolutely. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I think it's so important that everybody should have a job in retail or in service somehow. Right. Because you need to understand it's a life skill. Like. Yeah. yeah. So that you're not a total jerk to when you go in and work with people. And when Absolutely. they're clearly running around, you're not going to be like, excuse me, we've been waiting. Like, you can see that they're clearly busy. That's a different soapbox for a different day. Um, but in healthcare, mm-hmm. you add that energy plus life and death situations, plus mounds and mounds of paperwork to cover your butt, mm-hmm. plus trying to keep the executives happy, plus obligation to your patients because you morally want to be there to help them, mm-hmm. and you're so run down and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Like, you try to call off and people are like, well, where are we going to push your patients? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why you have a massive staff. Somebody else right. should have the skills that I have because I am a human and I can also be sick or injured. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, when I was going through my ectopic pregnancy, I was trying to shift people around into my lunch or stay later or whatever so that I didn't have to cancel too many people right. because they might get mad at me or they would give me attitude. You're exactly. leaving again? Yeah, because I'm freaking bleeding out right now. Exactly. I'm, le- I'm leaving again to go make sure I don't die right. so that I can make sure I'm here next week to treat the other patients on the schedule. Who because- are probably here because they had life-altering mm-hmm. medical Mm-hmm. traumas that have led them to having chronic right. issues that they need help with. Right. So you want me to not treat myself mm-hmm. as a patient and provide the same love and compassion and care mm-hmm. to myself that would then allow me to actually do the job you're expecting me to do. Exactly. Like that level of burnout gets us to a point that we cannot, and I see this so much, I see this with teachers mm-hmm. and I see this with healthcare practitioners that they have shut down their awareness of what it means to be human. Absolutely. They forget Absolutely. to go to the bathroom. Absolutely. They forget to eat. Yep. They forget to drink. They Or they ran out of time. I didn't have time for that today. Well, no, you're actually, you're human. Your organs fill and then need to be emptied. That does, that's not, that's a non-negotiable. It's not like I didn't have time to you know, call my kids school to, to do this or that, or I didn't have time to make that reservation for the hotel for our soccer tournament. Like, no, this is, you're a human and these things happen at all times every single day and we need to listen to them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I worked in the environment. It was like my lunch break was an either or either you ate or you went to the bathroom. You got mm-hmm. to pick one. That's what it was. Right. Unless you wanted to stay late and catch up on tons and tons of paperwork. Mm-hmm. And so we create these environments where people are just barely surviving, yep. that they cannot listen to their natural human instincts. And if we can't listen to our basic needs, how in the world are we going to be able to see a path laid in front of us of what our soul's true desire is in order to accomplish what it was sent here to do? Right. It's not visible. Yeah. I was at a point where I, when I was telling you about how I was, yeah. I was run down. I wanted to kill everybody. I mm-hmm. met the naturopath and she was like, you are on like a highway to like hormonal crashing. Right. Here. Like this is not good. So we, we did an elimination diet to figure out what my food triggers were. I was, I started working on like a sleep schedule. She was like, you have got to. Mm-hmm. And when she asked me, are you feeling stressed out? I was like, I'm not really. And then I was like, well, I mean, you know my this and my that and blah, blah, blah. And like, 
my entire environment was stressed. All I went on for like 10 minutes just to just give the bullet notes of the things that were going on. And that was only because you felt like it was necessary mm -hmm. in that moment mm -hmm. to dig deeper because your first answer was no, not really. Right. And that didn't land. Didn't and you land. were like, oh, wait a second. Okay, yeah. let me let me go. Okay, well, maybe I guess I consider this stressful. It was like a like you were shameful in admitting it even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I'm too good. Right, to then you stress. have to admit it to yourself. Yeah, I'm too good to have stress. Like, well, after I kind of said it to her, I was like, huh, I guess I am under a lot of stress. She was like, yes. And so we had to kind of make this whole life restructure in order for me to get my hormones back online because my cortisol was through the roof and taking over my entire system. Right. And it was ridiculous. But like, I, through the course of these last few years, like I distinctly remember in grad school, I would get sick after exams every semester. Oh, yeah. The week after exams, I was sick without a doubt to the point that like I didn't even plan to go do things because I knew. And it wasn't like the stomach flu or all that kind of stuff. It was just like that run down, body achy, sniffly, gross mm -hmm. kind of like I just can't do anything right yeah. now. And it happened every semester. And then I was like, my mom was like, well, you're under a lot of stress. And I was like, I don't feel stressed at all. Like, how do you manage stress if you don't feel stress, right? Because when you're in grad school or when you're in your whatever it is training that you're in where it's highly competitive, mm -hmm. it's very serious, you don't mess around, like it is, this is your career, and if you mess up, you're out. And there's no other options. Those are the stories we tell ourselves. Absolutely, right? yeah. Because you're putting in thousands of dollars, and if I don't do this, I have nothing. Yep. Right? So we're putting all of the stress on ourselves as a young adult, mm -hmm. right? And then... All of this, like, high achieving, you have to get the top grades. You right. have to get the best clinical rotation. Because you, you have to be the savior. Yeah. You have, exactly, because you're the savior. And then you don't have, you don't have that self-awareness of, like, huh, I need to sleep right now. No. Instead, you're going to stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning studying, and then you're going to get up again at 6 o'clock in the morning to couple, study a couple more hours before you go in for that 8 a.m. test, mm -hmm. you know? And it's just... I had basically kind of then gotten a dopamine kick off of that. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm so good. I don't even it's feel a payoff, stress. Yeah. It was like this badge of honor I wore about how awesome I was until I started having other systems of my body breaking down because of the levels of stress. I started, I went for a period where I had, I went 40 days between my period and then 21 days and then like 24 days and then like 37. It was all over the map. And like now we know that a woman's menstrual cycle is a huge indicator of their health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I was clearly not in a thriving world at the moment. Almost like a physical red flag, right? I know, right? Imagine that. I know, a physical manifestation that of that our body's like, hello, uh -huh. pay attention to me. Exactly. Thank Here's you. my first like near-death experience. If you don't turn this ship around, we are gonna have a big problem. Mm -hmm. I had gotten to a point during that period where I thought, I thought. I couldn't be a pelvic PT anymore. I was like, you know what? I just, I hear such atrocities in my room <laughs> when I'm working with patients. I mean, it was working with patients who have had genital mutilation, you know, female circumcisions. I worked mm -hmm. with, I had one week where I had, I want to say it was like seven evals and six of them had a sexual assault passed. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, and this was like what I was hearing every day, day in and day out, yeah. seeing 38 patients a week and running from one patient to the next, to the next, to the next, 
So I don't even have a chance to just take a breath between patients. I'm running late with this person, pulling this person back. I mean, it was just, and I was very lucky. I worked in a very, very good hospital system. We had 90 minute evals and 60 minute treatments, which was unheard of. And, um, and I still felt totally burnt out. And we were working with some of the most complex cases that we had in the city. Mm -hmm. And like, and it was just super heavy. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't. I, I, I got sucked into an MLM because I was like so desperate to get out. Mm -hmm. And the reason I had to stay was because of the pay and because I cared about my patients. Who else is going to treat them if I don't? Right. All the stories. Oh, yeah. And then it was just, and then the pandemic hit and everything stopped. And it was like I could breathe. And I could address all of the things that was going on with me. And that's when that journey started, which mm-hmm. I think it did for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I was able to build my own practice. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, I'm able to kind of manage my hours a little bit better. And I have 15 minute chunks of time between every single patient so that I can completely wrap up one note and I can be mentally and energetically with my person the entire time. I am not half listening to them while I'm trying to send that email off to so-and-so and and update that other person's home plan. Like Mm I am 100% in the session and I can give them everything. And then I have 15 minutes to recharge before I go into my next person so that I can give them everything. Mm -hmm. And it was not that I didn't love pelvic PT. I still see female circumcisions. I still Mm -hmm. see sexual assault. I still see chronic pain. I still see people who have been through massive levels of trauma and abuse and heartache in their life. And I can be with them. I can give them that space where they need to say what they need to say. And I can do it in an environment that both like both of us feel better when we're done. I very rarely now have somebody leave and I'm just like like where I feel totally mm-hmm. taken by that person where mm-hmm. that was like every, every single drive home from work when I was in the hospital, I felt like I needed to massage my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I just felt like I was so dead. And then of course my energy for, for parenting was zero, right. you know? Um, and so, which is probably why is probably one of the reasons why Aria came when she came, because both of my boys are like a little bit more emotionally resilient she just feels things a lot deeper when you say mm-hmm. things. She just, like, is personally hurt by them. She would not have survived in that world with me as a parent then. It would have been a really bad situation. Um, I could see it going really, really negatively. So I'm very glad that my boys are very emotionally resilient as Aria continues to build that. But that environment where it was, like, I couldn't even hear my bodily functions mm-hmm let alone my emotional status right. that led to this massive change in the hormones that led to this huge environment of constant survival. Mm-hmm. And it just like crashed everything. Everything. Which is why I feel so much more capable just like working with people who are going through this. Cause I used to hate chronic pain. I remember like, and I remember you when you first told me this. It was only it was a couple sessions in, mm-hmm. and I remember being shocked because I was like, "This is what you like. This is you." Mm-hmm. Like I, because at the time, I was I was you were the symbol of this other new world. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely right. And so I was like how 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 could you possibly not like doing this you're so fucking good at it mm-hmm. i was 
I mean, blown away, blown away. Like, I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to treat chronic pain before. That was the problem because really what chronic pain is, is it's just how your body manifests mm -hmm. the stress. Right. People with, um, with like autoimmune diseases, same sort of thing. People with chronic stress, people pleasing, perfectionism, it's all the same thing. It's just all of us interpret it differently. Mm -hmm. So when I was working with people with chronic pain, their body, the physical body didn't respond the way that it should have. This thing hurts, I gave you the stretch, you're not doing it right, or you're not doing it enough. It was all the blaming mm -hmm. stuff, you know? Um, and then it was, um, and then, like, I was never, like, blaming to them, but it was in the back no, of my yeah. mind, you know, in the back well, of my yeah, mind. Yeah, because you're like, why isn't this working? Why isn't it working, right? And then, of course, as the fixer, now I'm failing because right. I'm not helping Absolutely, this person. yes. I wasn't addressing the right stuff. When I kind of had to go through the whole thing on my own, then it was like, okay, this is long work. This is hard work, but this is where it starts. We have a starting point, and then this is how we build on it. Mm -hmm. And that is what opened my, my, my eyes to like, oh, this is insanely helpful for chronic pain. And then just being able to kind of set that precedent with somebody. Because I told you when you came in. You told me you said a long twice, oh, you, mm -hmm. six months at least. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. To me, that was probably like a really it was a really good visualization mm -hmm. of what road mm -hmm. was ahead of me mm -hmm. and and it and honestly it helped validate mm -hmm. where I was mm -hmm. because it, it gave me that permission to like admit how fucked mm -hmm. things were and to see like no like th this is this possible but it's it's going to be a long road mm -hmm. and then I truly just believe that the way, like, I'm sure that, yes, there's thought that goes into the fact that it was twice a week, right? But for me, because we did it, because we knew that I needed days in between to recover, doing it like Monday and Friday or Tuesday and Thursday was so helpful for me because it not only spaced it out and let me recover, but it, it gave me the opportunity to integrate the lessons that I had learned in the session with you previously. Yep. So it was like, I went through the session, I would go through the flare of pain. And I, I mean, there was pain, like, I won't lie. Like in the, in the beginning, it was, it was difficult. Like I knew that I was not, I was not scheduling anything after PT. Mm -hmm. My days, my PT days were PT days and that was it. And I was committed to allowing myself to rest and lay down mm -hmm. afterwards mm -hmm. and do what my body needed it to do. And even the day after, Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was almost like homework. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, hi, mm -hmm. we're going to do this. You know that it helps you feel better. Mm -hmm. This is what's going to happen in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Here are your tools to get through that. Mm -hmm. And so then by the time I was coming back to you, I had gone through the flare. I had used the tools, integrated them and been able to see where in my life previously, this could have been implied, like mm -hmm. integrated as well. Mm -hmm. And that was what helped me realize that like a lot of where I was before the hysterectomy and even afterwards was quote unquote my own fault. Mm -hmm. It was my own doing because it was- And not a conscious doing. No, not a conscious mm -hmm. doing, but that was the difference. Yeah, is that I had an environment. I had always felt victim mm -hmm. of my disease mm -hmm. and of 
-hmm. And like I was doing the best I could Mm -hmm. with that, Mm -hmm. right? Without realizing that like, I was, I was bringing those beliefs into the situation that made it so that I could not choose myself Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. what I felt Mm -hmm. obligated to do. Yeah, absolutely. And like, we, we should be very clear about this. Like, endo exists. Absolutely. Yeah. Autoimmune diseases exist. Oh, These are things that happen in the yeah, body. Absolutely. But when, when you hear, like, I feel like so many of my patients are like, yeah, well, the doctor said I need to work on my stress. But there's no steps in place of what does that mean. Right. Because, you know? it, it, yeah, it comes off as dismissive. It, it comes, comes off, off I mean, that's, I was told. It's all in my head. I was told at that surgery with mm-hmm. the cyst that I... Maybe I was just a little bit stressed or I had a cold and I just couldn't mm-hmm. handle the regular chronic pain that mm-hmm. I normally go through. Mm-hmm. And that if I couldn't handle this, then maybe I needed to consider the bowel resection at that time. And this was three months after. I don't think they, I knew that you were cons- they were trying to get a bowel resection. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, for mm-hmm. God's sake. Yeah. And so that was like three months after my first surgery with Minnie. This was her partner mm-hmm. who had come to see me because Minnie couldn't get away from the office. Mm-hmm. She was the one that did the mental health consult mm-hmm. and was like, you're, this is all emotional. Mm-hmm. There's no physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. You need to get your emotional under control. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I can't feel my feet. Mm-hmm. And so then she did the mental health consult. I had the mental health MP. I had the psychiatrist come and see me mm-hmm. and verify that it wasn't emotional. Mm-hmm. So then moving forward, I'm like, okay, yes, I believe you that emotions are involved, Mm -hmm. but it's as a result Mm -hmm. of the physical, Mm -hmm. not the opposite. Mm -hmm. And yes, it does make it harder Mm -hmm. to deal with, but causation and correlation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If I had not, I say this all the time, I genuinely wonder what my life would be like if I had found you before the hysterectomy, but I know Mm -hmm. now that I had to have the hysterectomy because I had to see that removing the physical cause of what was putting me where I was mm-hmm. wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And that I had mm-hmm. to do the emotional mm-hmm. energy work to figure out mm-hmm. how that even came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like these conditions, like people are, sometimes they manifest because of an environment, you know, mm-hmm. environmental absolutely. toxins. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. No, sure absolutely. That happens, but many people are, are born with the predisposition of having it, this it, thing going yes. on. Yes. And it's the environment that you're in that will bring it to the surface or not. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there who manage autoimmune diseases by their stress management, diet, exercise, environment, boundary setting, all that kind of stuff, energy work, whatever the case is, supplementation, right? right? They're able to avoid surgeries, medications, and that Mm -hmm. kind of life. They're able to avoid the chronic symptoms because of how they choose to live their life. Right. Does that mean that they're better or worse than somebody else who has that symptom? No. No. It just means that, like, they've been able to create an environment where their emotional and energetic being is not conducive to that autoimmune or that condition taking over their body you know absolutely and like that is so much of like what we do in your work and in my work of just helping people tune into what is going on in their body Mm -hmm. what does that fit it was interesting to me the first time that I actually did a um, guided meditation regarding 
processing emotions. Mm -hmm. And it was with Julie. And it was like the first time that I had felt what does an emotion feel like in my body, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like tightness in my chest. And when I sat with that tightness in my chest, it kind of migrated down into my belly. And it kind of felt like this sort of like queasy, tight kind of feel. Mm -hmm. And then as we kind of did some coaching through it and, you know, how we kind of sat with the emotion, it just kind of started, to me, it kind of started spreading and dissipating at the same time. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like was like a really condensed fog that just kind of turned into like a loose mist and then just disappeared. And then... I was like, and then she asked, you know, what would you feel like, like, what would it be like if you knew that you were, whatever it was I needed in the moment, feeling safe or confident or whatever it was that I needed, mm-hmm. right? And then I kind of felt this, like, tingly, like, like that excitement feel, yeah. you know, that kind of, and I was like, oh my gosh, emotions feel like stuff in our body. They feel like stuff. And that was, for me, like, chronic pain patients this is a physical manifestation of their emotional symptoms. We cannot ignore this component of chronic pain or of chronic symptoms. And so, so much of what we work on is number one, can you feel your body? For you, for example, I was like, you feel how tight that is? Nope. Mm-mm. Can you get that to relax? Nope. nope. Like there was complete shutdown. Mm-hmm. I don't even know this part of my body exists, yeah. right? So the first thing was just kind of recognizing different parts of my body exist. Can mm-hmm. I tune into them and just feel what's happening at rest? And then it was like, can we start noticing a change in our symptoms as you go through the course of your day? And then fine. I never told you, look out for stressful events. No. So can we see, can we notice a change? And then you were able to recognize like, oh, after my three day shift, I feel like I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what's potentially going on? Well, and then it was all these emotional things running around and, you know, feeling like, you're, yeah, and feeling like you're just kind of barely chipping away the things that you're trying to help people mm-hmm. with, you know, and just feeling that, that sensation of just frustration that, you can't provide the support that you are trying to provide, mm-hmm. right? And so then it's like, okay, well, now we're starting to realize that there is a physical component to these emotional symptoms, mm-hmm. that the physical stuff does exist, but that the emotions are making it more intense. Yes. And then can we start seeing this in, because you had tied it very much to the physical activity of your work. Oh, yeah. You know? And then... Any physical activity. Exactly. And then you were able to start seeing that I was freaking super pissed off about this thing. Oh, yeah. And then that's actually when it started. Mm -hmm. So then you were able to start seeing like, oh, okay, my emotions are taking this thing that already exists and making it way worse. And then it was like, okay, now let's work on some techniques on how to release the physical stress when Mm -hmm. the emotion presents because emotions are good. They tell us what's going on. We don't want to live in a world where we don't feel anger, where we don't feel frustration, but we need to be able to feel and process them and then be done with them and then be able to move on. So then it was like, okay, now that you recognize that your physical symptoms are linked to the emotional symptoms, when you're feeling emotional, your physical symptoms are not going to show up until they're really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So when you're starting to feel this emotion, I want you to just stop in that moment, tune into the body, and feel where you feel that emotion. Sit with it. Mm-hmm. Let it exist. Let it dissipate. And then tune into your body after that. What else can I let go of? Right? And that is when I feel like you started making these huge jumps to being able to like handle a lot more mm-hmm. in your life. And then all of a sudden, yeah, let's do power yoga. Yeah, let's do V-ups on a Swiss ball. Like, right. let's do all of these things that yeah. you thought were 
previously completely inaccessible. Oh, never in my life did I think that I'd right. be able to do those things. And now it's just like, this is what I feel like doing today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I just traveled, right? I just went mm-hmm. to Miami and I didn't take a heating pad. I still have been working off of our emergency bottle of Advil for like the last three months. And it's a mixed bottle, like with Tylenol and shit. Mm -hmm. So like not even a a full bottle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have to bail out of all the activities and fun things because I couldn't function. I didn't have to spend six days in bed when I got home. I wasn't swollen and miserable during the travel like it just a completely different experience Mm -hmm. and it wasn't it honestly wasn't until our we went to Vegas in the fall that Matt recently was able to identify like that was what made him see the difference was like Mm -hmm. Vegas two years ago compared to Vegas this year and seeing how well I physically handled the activity Mm -hmm. because Four days of moving around, walking and doing the things. That was more, Mm -hmm. the only time that I had done that was at work. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't. Because you didn't feel like you could say no. Right. And because I didn't have, and Mm -hmm. because I felt that my worthiness, Mm -hmm. if I was ever going to have that life and that happiness and that joy and that experience, I had to have it after the work. I had to do the work and be able to come to their expectations of my performance in order to be able to have enough to focus personally. And now I know that that's the exact opposite of what you're actually supposed to do. And now we're gonna eat food.